You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that am. So, a little bit of a late start today, as you saw, if you are following on Twitter or Facebook. Um, woke up with a pretty bad headache. It's pretty bad when it's the thing that wakes you up in the morning. Um, so, I've been kind of nursing that. And then the thing with uh, real bad headaches slash migraines, whatever you want to call it, um, it really starts to upset your stomach. So as the headache starts to dissipate, the stomach ache starts to get much worse, and it's you kind of get to a point where it's like, I don't even know what's worse anymore. The uh, throbbing headache or the constant questioning whether I should just, you know, well, we don't need to get graphic, but, you know, it is, it is bad, but just kind of working through it and... Uh, once that stomach ache goes away, then all of a sudden there's like ravenous hunger. So I took care of that, had a little bit of, a little bit of pork, as I tend to do. I feel like I might just do like a meat detox. And I don't mean no more meat. I mean nothing but meat. I've got so much to eat, and I've been getting a little lazy with the, the eating good and eating right. You know, yeah, what's a little bit a little bit of cake, you know, son's birthday cake. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's like, you know what? You're eating meat now. That's all you get. It's probably the best punishment you could ever give yourself, if I'm being completely honest. Um, thank you very much to everybody that jumped on last night for the live stream. I went live on YouTube as well as on Facebook, did a little, little streamy kind of talking about what I thought on the game, getting a lot of your thoughts. And we just kind of talked about it, man. We just went back and forth and round and round. Um, would love it if more people could get involved in that. I said at the end of the stream, I think we maxed out at about 26 people. Um, I don't know why streams are so low. They're just not very popular. Even if you look at some of the bigger people, their their live streams don't really have, you know, it's definitely not thousands. I mean, unless you're like a massive national whatever. Um, but my goal is to crack 100 um, sooner than later. So uh, Pack Daddy NFL, which again, I'm planning, I should just do that right now. Should we just make it official? No, I got stuff to do. That will be eventually the Packernet podcast, uh, whatever. But please go follow me over there. It's depressing me that I'm starting to lose a bunch of followers because everybody's like, dude, why is this draft dude just talking about the Packers all the time? I built up a relatively big channel based almost entirely around the draft, and I'm abandoning all of them. So it makes me sad, but I just can't do it anymore. I, it's too much work. I'm not immersed in it. I have to like learn everything. I don't have time to learn everything. And the videos, those draft videos take way too long. And if I tried to do a live stream to just, you know, riff about the draft, I would be the biggest idiot in the room because I just, there's just too much. And I'm not immersed in college football and all that. Um, There's too much to learn. I like it. I love it. And I, you know, when I want to do it, I'll do it. But I I just, I can't do it. So it's primarily going to be a Packers with a little bit of NFL and a little bit of uh, draft mixed in. But Pack Daddy NFL, go follow me on YouTube if you wouldn't mind, please. Try to give some heads up as to when I'm going live, but hit the little 
bell notification so you get notifications saying, hey, he's going live, all that kind of stuff. Otherwise, uh, again, Packing It Podcast Facebook page, I'll also be going live over there. So, obviously, the, the score is not that big of a deal to me. Um, in fact, in one of the comments that was brought up that I tend to agree with, I don't know that either team should be super excited with the 19 nothing score. On one hand, yes, it's entirely true that um, it was all our backups going up against all their starters, but that doesn't really f- jive. Right, I mean, when you factor in that dog doesn't start bark, stop barking. I'm gonna punt him across the room. But when you factor in the um, factor in all the red zone trips, you know, I mean, it, the term vanilla keeps getting thrown out there. Well, they're just running vanilla plays. Look, you can run vanilla plays, but then when you get into a you know second and goal from the four situation, maybe try a little harder. And as a lot of people would probably say, well, I'm sure they were trying. Exactly. So don't say that they were being vanilla. They tried to score a touchdown and they failed. So, you know, it's just, it's a little frustrating. It should have been more than zero. For example, Mason Crosby, what the heck was that, dude? I know it's just preseason. And and, and that's part of the problem. Like, well, it's just preseason, da 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 Yeah, but it, it felt like, felt like not a great football team. And, and by, I'm not trying to sound complainy because I wasn't unhappy with the performance. I'm just trying to get out the negative without just dismissing it entirely. You know what I mean? Because we have a tendency, and I think I tend to lean this way, of just completely dismissing it. Because, well, it's our backups, and they played their starters for like three quarters, which I think is really stupid. That's true. And then we use the vanilla line. Well, they were being vanilla. Well, maybe, but to what degree? And what does that even mean? I think this was the least vanilla game I've seen. One of the comments that I had made before was that, you know, you didn't even see any of the motion or any of that kind of stuff with Jordan Love. This game, you did. So it seemed like they were pulling out the stops a little bit. And I was, listen, I was extremely impressed that we were even able to move the ball down the field. And I think that's where Buffalo needs to be kind of scared and ashamed of their performance. The Packers' second string offense kind of moved down the field kind of with ease until we got into the red zone and and couldn't punch it in. Similarly, 19 points, that's it? I mean, if you score 19 points in the first half of a game, that's not terrible. That's pretty good. But what, what did they score, like 13 points, something like that? That's not that good. I mean, just in any game, if it was the Buffalo Bills against the Green Bay Packers as starters, if it was 19 to 10, I guess you're happy, but it's, it's nothing super spectacular. But this is one of the best football teams in the NFL. Last year, they were top four. Easily one of the best AFC teams. Dominant offense, supposedly kind of scary defense. And you can't just eviscerate this backup defense that really just looks kind of bad. I mean, there were a lot of guys that just looked lost. A lot of these guys don't know what they're doing, either because the mental part is not there, which is why they're not starters, or because they're rookies. But, you know, guys standing in the same spot, people just in the wrong assignment. By the way, zero pass rush from the Green Bay. I shouldn't say zero. They did a little bit better this week. But when you when you take away our starting guys, we don't have a lot of pass rushers standing behind them. So, I mean, Josh Allen's never going to have a cleaner pocket. And, you know, Jair's not out there, King's not out there, Chandon's not out there, Stokes isn't out there, Amos isn't out there, Savage isn't out there. I feel like it should have been a lot more lopsided than it was. And to be completely honest, if the Packers had scored on some of those drives, it would have been very close to tied. I'm not going to go back and, and, you know, well, if we got a touchdown here and this, whatever, it doesn't matter. But point is, I mean, what, 17-19 if we got two of those touchdowns and Mason doesn't miss a field goal? 17, 19, your starters against our backups? If I'm Buffalo, I'm, I'm probably more mad 
than the Packers are. And again, the Packers' performance, the biggest disappointment largely is the fact that they just didn't get the actual points. They moved the ball fine, and I thought the defense did a decent enough job considering the competition they were up against. But anyways, um, I'm not even going to use the NFL stats. I'll just go straight to PFF, and we'll just look at some stats right quick. Obviously, we'll start with the quarterbacks. Jordan Love did not have that great of a day. It wasn't the worst. I think my biggest complaint with Jordan Love, really, and it's it's honestly the exact same thing I've been saying about Justin Fields, and I, I still feel the same way. I should look to see if his grades are on. I bet he, he did get a touchdown in that game. Yeah, 69.5. Again, he, he's always just kind of like, meh. He's been meh the whole way through the preseason. That's how I felt again. That touchdown pass, I think, was probably the best pass I've seen him throw. If you watch the Bears game, um, probably the entire preseason. And to be completely honest, as I was watching it, I was thinking, you know, Kurt Bankert could probably make that throw. Jordan Love could make that throw. It's a good throw, but it's also a good throw that you see kind of everybody make. It was just he, the, the defender was facing the wrong direction. So it's if you put the ball right in the right spot, and it was a beautifully thrown ball. I actually think Justin Fields and Jordan Love are very similar. I think Justin Fields looks better, especially when you factor in that interception. That's exactly the kind of stuff Justin Fields doesn't do. But aside from that, aside from the fact that Justin Fields is much more cautious than Jordan Love, who is borderline reckless at times, which we've only seen one so far, but he's only thrown it like <laughs> like 15 times ever. Aside from that, though, it's just he's just an accurate passer that distributes the ball accurately to guys that are open. And with Justin Fields, not a lot of guys have been open. So you, or with uh, Jordan Love, there's not a lot of guys that have been open. So it's been, it's looked a little less easy for him, which I think has impressed me a little bit more. Whereas Justin, man, aside from that touchdown throw, it's been so just boring. He does nothing but throw to open guys in the flat or open guys, you know, 10, downs, 10 yards down the field, right in the middle of the field. I mean, his grades every week are right at 69.5-ish, and it's like, that's exactly how I felt. I I would have guessed he was probably a little higher, like 78, 79. Even if they gave him an 80, it'd be like, all right, so he was was okay, plus he's got the legs, right? We know he can run, even though they gave him a negative, or not a negative, but a not super great rushing grade. But you factor in his mobility and the touchdown throw, I figured it would be topping out at about an 8, but no, 69.5 again, and I wholeheartedly agree with that, but um, looking at J- Jordan Love, this time they gave him a 43.5 overall grade, a 45 rushing grade. They didn't like very much of what he did. And again, that interception is brutal. The fact that he didn't get a single touchdown is bad. Um, he had one big time throw, but he had two turnover worthy plays. Obviously one of them, which turnover worthy doesn't even begin to describe it. And, and that, that is his absolute worst attribute. And you'd hope that it wasn't, wouldn't be a part of his repertoire anymore. And again, it, it makes sense the fact that he used to do that when he played for Utah State, right? It makes sense because there was nothing else to do. You got to just throw nothing but Hail Marys all day long because your your team is terrible. That's not the case. And you got to be willing to throw the ball away or take a sack or whatever. Those kinds of throws, any quarterback in the NFL that does that is not an NFL caliber quarterback. It's just, it's just the reality. I like Jordan Love. He does a lot of good things. That is so unbelievably dumb to be falling away and to just launch it straight up into the sky. Never, unless it's fourth down and the game is on the line, ever, never, ever. And time is, you know, whatever, time's about to expire. Unless you absolutely have to throw a Hail Mary, never, ever, ever throw that. It's so absurd. It's just one throw. But again, that that is a disqualifying throw. That kind of throw I'm looking at and saying, you will not be the starting quarterback of this team. Knock that off. Everything else I've seen from Jordan Love looks fine. Again, the the biggest concern with Jordan Love is 
nothing's ever bad, nothing's ever great. I did think that that nice, that ball, uh, when he got the guy to jump off sides of the free play, that was a beautifully thrown ball. Again, he's a very accurate passer. Um, but, you know, whatever. Kurt Bankert with a 60 overall grade. Statistics, Jordan Love was 18 of 21 with, or uh, excuse me, I hate that they lay it out like this, 21 dropbacks. 12 of 18, 66.7% completion percentage, 149 yards, 8.3, no touchdowns, and a pick. Now, if he'd have just thrown a touch, if he would have thrown one touchdown and not thrown that interception, I think it would have been a good day. But that's not how it played out. Um, Again, one big-time throw, two turnover-worthy plays. Um, His adjusted completion percentage was 70.6, so they get rid of things like drops and whatever else, throwaways. Um, again, time to throw is is just not... They get the ball out quickly, and I do think a lot of that has to do with pressure. For Jordan Love, 2.5 seconds. For Kurt Bankert, it was 2.1 seconds. So some of it is rhythm and scheme, and some of it is just, you know, you got to hurry up and get it out. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to keep making excuses for Jordan because, again, that, that pass was inexcusable, but it's still, once again... And, and this is really what upset me with Buffalo is... I figure if you're going to put your starters out there, it's for like a series, maybe a quarter. I I distinctly remember into the third quarter they had starters out there. I don't know how many, but there was a big play where I think it was Josh uh, Nyman got blown up and the running back got tackled in the backfield by Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver was a first-round pick and is a starting defensive tackle for the Buffalo Bills in the third freaking quarter. So it's like, I just, I just, all I wanted for Jordan Love was to have one opportunity where the guys he's playing playing with are on the same level as the guys across the field, right? Not backup wide receivers against starting corners, not backup offensive linemen against starting defensive linemen. Either give them the starters and put them against starters, or give them backups and put them against backups. And so I figured, okay, first quarter is going to be rough, but the second quarter will be a little bit better. It wasn't. It was the same the first time he played. The entire first half, it was our backups against the... Uh, the other teams, whoever, what, the Texans starters. And then we pulled him. I was like, all right, third quarter, he's going to get an opportunity. No, they pulled him because he got hurt. And then this game, three quarters. It was almost like they were, somebody said it in the comments, and, it, you know, hate to be conspiratorial, but it felt that way. It was almost like they were waiting for them to pull love, and then they're like, all right, we can pull our guys now. Like, they just didn't want to give us the satisfaction. It's frustrating. You know, it's it's just, he's he's under duress a lot. The run game was not all that fantastic. Kylan looked pretty good. But um, A.J. Dillon wasn't able to go anywhere. A lot of these runs were getting stuffed. It was frustrating. But uh, Jordan Love ended with a 69 passer rating. Nothing, obviously, super fantastic. And again, aside from that one interception, it's really just a matter of you want to see something special, and I just really haven't seen it. But it, but again, he's I, I have seen growth. Um, I have seen him go through progressions more. I have seen him more very in command of the team. Um but again, that interception is is haunting because that just can't happen. We'll head over to the offensive line because that's how PFF sorts it. So that will be next. We got some fantastic news. In fact, I don't think this is how I want to do this because this is not his overall grade. This is his pass blocking grade. Um, well, it's what we're doing. We'll, we'll get to the grades later. Um, and this is just all blocking. So it's not necessarily offensive line. This is This is just pass blocking. Unfortunately, terrible, horrible, not good news for Josiah DeGuara. Four times he was in as a pass blocker. He allowed one hit, but he got a 3.6 overall grade, meaning he was useless as a pass blocker. That's not good. 
if you're Josiah DeGuara, I'm sorry, being sneaky and all that stuff is a small part of what you need to do. That ain't a good sign. Now, I have no doubt in my mind Josiah is going to be starting and playing and all these kinds of things, but um, that, again, that ain't going to fly. And this is his only game that he's played in, the only preseason game he's gone out in, and he got a 3.6 overall grade. Not good. Uh, Mr. Cole Van Landen, 5.7 grade. Horrific. He allowed a hit and a hurry in this game. Uh, Lucas Patrick, who was just begging to be cut from this team, he was out on um, four times as a pass blocker. Didn't give up any pressures, but apparently was terrible. 16.9. I've never seen this many low pass blocking grades in my life. Like, horrifically low. You might see like one below like a 30. So far we have a 3.6, a 5.7, a 16.9. Also, Patrick Taylor, the running back, 17.2. That ain't going to help him. Josh Myers with a 30 overall pass blocking grade. He allowed one hurry in this game. Ten times he was in as a pass blocker. Uh, Kaufusi, the tight end, had a 35.4 overall pass blocking grade. Coy Cronk with a 41. John Runyon, 57. Pretty average. Yash Nyman, the tackle, 61. Jake Hansen, 62. Uh, ben Braden with a 68. Little boost of confidence for him. Although he did give up a sack, a hit, and a hurry. So I... He must have had three terrible reps and then just nothing but dominant the rest of the way out. I don't know. Jace, who um, has been the, the main talk of the town, basically the 50% of all the comments that I've seen have been, can we please cut Jace now? It's all over Twitter, my personal messages, and my stream last night was all about, can we please cut Jace? Um, we do know, and we haven't gotten to run blocking grades yet, he obviously completely botched our ability to get one of our touchdowns. But uh, as a pass blocker, no sacks, hits, or hurries given up. Um, but despite his 70 overall grade, only two attempts, so nobody cares. Uh, Kylan Hill, similarly, two attempts, 73 overall grade. Jacob Capra was in for six uh, reps as a pass blocker, 78 overall grade. Dexter Williams, the guy that I please, I just, I, he's going to get cut, and I just, I'll never understand it. I feel like he's always one of our best running backs. He's a good pass blocker, apparently. Second highest pass blocking grade on the team. I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know. Um, and number one, number one, Royce Newman, 79.9 overall grade. He was our highest graded player on the entire team offense or defense. I believe his overall grade, let me just look it up because it's incredible. His overall grade, um, not pass blocking, come on now, offensive grades, 91.2. This is what he's done in the preseason. This guy's going to win the job. I'm just telling you right now. Week one, he had an 83.6 overall grade, 81 as a pass blocker, 79 as a run blocker. Week two, 78 overall grade. He had a 77 run blocking grade, but a 63 pass blocking grade. He took a step back a little bit, kind of a rough game, but still obviously average is fine. Against Buffalo, 91.2 overall grade. We haven't gotten there yet, but I'm all just going to tell you, 80 pass blocking grade, 88.2 run blocking grade. This guy has been very good. He's been very good, and they and they moved him up to starting offensive line. So he's going up against the top guys that we have here. Um, if there's anything I'm going to do with this Game Pass subscription, it's going to be to go back and watch Royce Newman. He was out there for 21 snaps, 91.2 over. So 83, 78, and 91 are his three PFF grades in three preseason games. I would be stunned if this is not our starting offensive guard. I don't know why I didn't just click on... Um, blocking grades. Anyways, let's look at uh, run blocking. We'll kind of 
rip through these a little bit. Reggie Begleton was terrible. Uh, he had 23 times he was into run block, so they used him a lot like as a, as a blocker, I guess, and he just did a terrible job. Josiah DeGuara, terrible. Dominique Daphne was bad. Jacob Capra was bad. Jay Sternberger was bad. Uh, I got a bunch of average here. Uh, let's see. We'll skip all the averages. Um, Amari Rogers with a 70 overall grade, 16 run blocking attempts. So I'll take that. That's not bad. Little little Lazard in him. John Runyon with a 71 uh, run blocking grade. Kudos. Koi Kronk, 74. Yash Nyman, 82. So even though he got pushed around a little bit as, as a pass blocker, he was pretty dominant as a run blocker. Um, Bronson Kaufusi, who was terrible as a pass blocker, really good as a as a run blocker in this. And he only had five pass blocking reps, but 15 run blocking reps. Did I say that right? Five pass blocking, 15 run. So he did it more and he was better at it. And then obviously Royce Newman, 88.2. So of all of our players, we got 23 guys that blocked at some point or another. Only one was positive as a run and pass blocker, and that's Royce Newman. I'm so excited about that guy. I'm so excited about that guy. Man, oh man. We'll, I mean, we'll see what happens, but he's been nothing but dominant. It's just fantastic. And that's if there's any silver lining of the fact that they keep putting starters out there against our backups, supposed backups, sounds like he's going to be a starter. Um, it's the fact that you can look at these grades and say, well, you know, it's just preseason. No, no, no. Starters. Sorry, starters. Um, I do have one interesting note here. Again, I'm just kind of going in order of how they, they sort this. But it is worth noting that if you look at Jordan Love, as far as his grades under pressure and not under pressure, um, when he was kept clean, which was uh, 12 of his attempts, 13 of his dropbacks, so he was under pressure eight times, he was kept clean 13 times. That's a little too close to 50-50 for my liking, but 76.7 overall grade when he was kept clean. He was 10 of 12, 115 yards, 9.6 yards per attempt. The issue is... um, when he was under pressure, two of six, 34 yards and a pick. That's the problem. And even even Rodgers has kind of talked about that, right? When he's when he's when he's in a clean pocket and he's got time to stand and deliver, he makes good decisions, he makes great throws. So this is one area he's got to work on. And, and for some people, they can't overcome it. But it's still very positive that again, when he was kept clean, he had a great day, and he just wasn't kept clean very often. So um, I don't know. Do with that what you will, I suppose. And for those wondering if that's true about everybody, I've already said it's not, but if you're curious about Kurt Bankert, he had a 57.4 overall grade while kept clean. He actually had a higher grade while under pressure. He was 7 of 10 for 61 yards while kept clean. Um, he was only under pressure two times the entire time he was out there, but he was 0 for 1 when he was out there. So I don't know. Average grade, I guess, wasn't his fault. It was a drop. I don't know. Who cares? It actually was. It was, there were, it was a drop on that play. Rushing grades, nobody really graded out all that well. The highest uh, rushing grade was a 66, and that was actually Dexter Williams. Patrick Taylor had a 64, Kylan Hill, 62. Jordan Love, as I said, 45. A.J. Dillon, 44 was the lowest graded. Um, As far as yardage, nobody really had a ton of yards. Um, Kylan Hill, seven attempts for 37 yards, 5.3 average. Dexter, five attempts, 28 yards, 5.6 average. Patrick Taylor, six attempts, 19 yards, 3.2 average. Dylan, seven attempts, 18 yards, 2.6 average. Uh, Jordan Love, one attempt, 16 yards. Yards after contact, the only one that really did much was Dexter Williams, 4.2 yards after contact per attempt. Jordan Love is also 3.3, but that doesn't count because he's a quarterback. Uh, Missed tackles, Kylan Hill forced one, Dexter forced one. Uh, Longest run was Dexter Williams, 12 yards. Um, Three carries over 10 yards, one for Kylan, one for Dexter, one for Jordan Love. 
that's about it. Nobody really had a ton of opportunities. I thought, you know, Kylan looked good again as far as just having a little bit of wiggle. Dexter, just a blazing speed. Um, and again, I don't think he has a particularly fast 40 time, but it's just so evident when he's on the field. Um, but the... The biggest thing I think in this game was there was not the offensive line didn't do a fantastic job creating a lot of giant holes. So the hammers like AJ Dillon and Patrick Taylor were kind of just hammering into piles. So you needed guys guys like Dexter and Kylan with a little bit more wiggle and speed to kind of navigate whatever kind of a cluster was out there in front of them. So Kylan was a little bit more built for the situation. And again, Dexter, he's got the speed to, if nothing else, just break to the outside and get around the corner and get some yards. Uh receiving, we did get quite a Quite a good amount of news. Uh, the overall grades for some of these guys were not good, but a lot of that comes down to blocking and whatnot. The receiving grades, we had three guys in the 80s. We'll start at the bottom. Jace with a 47. Shouldn't surprise anybody. Josiah with a 57. Um, so Jace was 0 for 2, 47 overall grade. Josiah was 1 of 1 for 4 yards, 57 overall grade. Kylan Hill was 1 of 1 for 7 yards, 60 overall grade. Amari Rogers, uh, six uh, six receptions on eight targets, 41 yards, 65, so a little better than average. Reggie Begleton, four receptions on six targets, 51 yards, 12.8 average, right at about a 70, so that was solid. Then you get into the guys that really did well. Um, Dominique Daphne, now only one target, one reception for 23 yards, but he obviously ran more routes than that. They Whatever he was doing, they loved it. Uh, 80 overall grade. Patrick Taylor, one reception on two targets for 15 yards. He got an 84.2 overall grade. And then Malik Taylor, um, five receptions, six targets, 69 yards, 86 overall grade. Um, Amari Rogers, I know last week they kind of brought his numbers down a little bit. This week, 92% of the time he was in the slot. So he was in the slot basically the entire time. Otherwise, Reggie Bagleton, 36%, Jace, 24%, Malik, 20%. None of the other guys were uh, were doing that. If you look at in line, obviously, Jace and the other tight ends, would you would expect to be the most. But uh, Josiah was only 50%, Jace was 44%, Daphne was 40%. Um, otherwise, Amari Rogers and Reggie Bagleton each did it once. Yards after the catch, um, the only one that was somewhat interesting was Dominique Daphne, 12 yards. Otherwise, pretty standard. Yards per route run, Dominique Daphne, so that is, this kind of explains a little bit of, of his grade, uh, 5.75 yards per reception, or excuse me, per route run. I was going to say, that's not right. Longest receptions of the day, um, 29 yards for Begleton, 27 for Malik, 23 for Daphne. And then uh, contested catches, you had um, two contested catches thrown to Malik Taylor. He caught one of those, who's at 50%. One was thrown to Jace, he did not catch it. One was thrown to Reggie Begleton, he did not catch it. So there were four opportunities for contested catches, and our guys caught one of those. Um, and then finally, missed tackles forced. Amari Rogers had two, which is great. That's what we drafted him for. Malik Taylor had one. Overall passer rating for all these guys was a 77.2, which, you know, not all that impressive. But again, kudos to Malik Taylor, Patrick Taylor, and Dominique Daphne on their um, receiving acumen, I guess. I don't know. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, a couple things I wanted to come with quickly. Sorry, I'm reading text messages. Always got to multitask. Uh, first of all, let's start with patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you would like to support the podcast, that is probably the best possible way to do so. Also, please don't forget about the Palmer Home for Children. It is a charity that helps to house children that are in need of essentially new houses uh, due to, you know, Issues in the home, as does happen. I've got about one week left. Uh, 
in total, we are at $2,003. The total charity that was started by Malcolm Reed is $27,677, which is a fantastic thing to be able to help um, families in need, children in need. So I'm very, very excited about that. Um, as a side note, if I am one of the top five donors, if our group is one of the top five in donations, I'm going to be winning a trip down to go hang out with Malcolm Reed, who is one of the top barbecue guys in the world right now, especially if you consider personalities in that. I don't know if he's the winningest. He's not the winningest, but he's a a competitive barbecue guy. Um, I actually had him on the podcast. He's got his own podcast. And um, anyways, the top five people are going to be able to go down and hang out with him for the day, cook some food, eat some food. And uh, I'll just take the family on a little vacation, go hang out down south for a little bit. And we've got about one week left, and I am currently in sixth place, and I need to be in fifth place. So if you are planning on giving, I know some of you said you were going to give like at the last minute so that it doesn't just bump everything up. Uh, Please just don't forget, (laughs) because we are only um, $117 away. So $117 away from overtaking fifth place. I have no expectation of overtaking fourth place. They are $500 ahead of me. But if we can leapfrog David and Grace Moore with 2120, um, that would be fantastic. And it would be a fun, exciting little trip and uh, just something to think about. Also, I believe this time around, I don't know exactly what we're giving away. We haven't selected it yet, or it might not even be up to us. But one of the things that I have listed. So we just gave away a signs of Darius Smith jersey. And turns out he lives in Brazil. So congratulations, and I'm very sorry to Jacob for having to pay the shipping on that one. But the next ones we don't have to pay shipping on. We've got the signed Bakhtiari jersey, the signed Devontae Adams jersey, the signed Josiah DeGuara jersey, and a signed Lombardi trophy that was signed by Jordy Nelson. One of those things is going to be given away. When I get the details on that, I will let you know. But I believe what we're going to do, because I want to really pump up the live streaming stuff, is you have to, first of all, sign up at pristineauction.com, use promo code PACKERNET so you get the $10 free gift. It also is going to let them know that this them deciding to trust this podcast was a good decision. Once you do that, make sure you go and like the PACKERNET Podcast Facebook page. That's going to be the next most important thing. We will eventually get some kind of a graphic up explaining what the giveaway is going to be. And the only other requirement from there, once you've already done those other two things, which you should have done by now anyways, more than likely going to be either tag somebody in this post, tag some people, or share it. I don't know. Again, we'll work out the details. But for now, sign up at pristineauction.com, use promo code Packernet, and go like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page, and then, you know, we'll tell you how to specifically enter for this one thing. Anyways, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll look at the defense. We'll look at the special teams, and we'll get out of here. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. 
And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So offensively, we had guys that were graded sort of, we had sort of the bigger numbers, right? Bronson Kalfusi overall was an 83.3. Malik Taylor was an 85. I don't think I even did overalls. Malik Taylor was an 85.1. Royce Newman was a 91.2. Defensively, um, we didn't have as many super high grades, but we had more consistency. So for the offense, out of 24 guys, only five graded out as good. Um, we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight that graded out below average. Uh, Damon Hazelton, Dominique Daphne, Jacob Capra, Cole Van Lannen, Jay Sternberger, A.J. Dillon, Jordan Love, and Josiah DeGuara. Cannot tell you how much it pains me that Josiah is dead last on that list, but so be it. But on the defensive side of things, again, the highest grade was a 79.5. Very excited about this, by the way. But as far as bad grades, I mean, so out of 20 guys, um, basically nine were at 70, so almost half. But as far as below a 60, only one, two, three, four, five guys in total. Now, the other thing, and I, I had mentioned this, I don't think it happened last week. But two weeks ago, I had mentioned how all the linebackers are at the top, and I was wondering if this was going to be a something that is new with this new defensive coordinator, our new defense, et cetera. It just could be a scheme thing. I don't know. We'll see. Um, let's look at I'm – just, I'm just going to look at the position group. I'm going to start at the bottom. I'm going to do something a little bit different today. You stop me when you hear middle linebacker because that's how PFF now has our, never used to designate our guys as middle linebackers, but it must be the new defensive system or whatever. So obviously outside linebackers are pass rushers. Middle linebackers are our inside linebackers. Ready? Stop me when you hear it. Remember, there's 20 guys. Cornerback, cornerback, outside linebacker, safety, outside linebacker, corner, defensive tackle, cornerback, outside linebacker, cornerback, outside linebacker, uh, defensive lineman, defensive lineman, defensive lineman, safety, safety, and uh, pass rusher. It says left end, but or no, he's defensive tackle, excuse me. I was thinking Chauncey Rivers. That's not who that is. So I listed 17 out of the 20. Did you hear me say linebacker once? Let me say the last three position groups. These are the three highest graded. Middle linebacker, middle linebacker, middle linebacker. Out of 20 guys, the top players are all of our linebackers. Our lowest graded linebacker graded out higher than any other player on our defense at any other position. The linebackers are doing stuff, and I'm excited about that. 
And again, because it's been such a widespread, Oren Burks, I don't even think played. Most of the guys that did well last time didn't even play. These are three different guys. But again, there is a trend with linebackers performing better than anybody else. But anyways, before we get into the specifics, let's let's look at some statistics, shall we? The uh, pressures were actually kind of on point today. There were 21 pressures against the Buffalo Bills via the Green Bay Packers. Shout out to Mr. Never-Ending, Never-Stopping, Constantly Impressing Jack Heflin, who was the number one pressure guy. He didn't get any sacks, but four pressures, which was more than anybody else. He had two hits and two hurries on the quarterback. Tipigalea, who uh, JJ told me how to pronounce his name, I already forgot, and I've decided he needs to be cut because I refuse to say that. Uh, But he had three pressures, all three were hurries, as well as Delonte Scott with three pressures, one sack, and two hurries. Isaiah McDuffie, two pressures. Uh, Where am I? Two pressures, one sack, and one hurry. Jonathan Garvin, two pressures, both of them hurries. Dejon Harris, two pressures, both of them hurries. Chauncey Rivers, two pressures, one sack, one hit. Willington Pavilion with two pressures, both of them hurries. Uh, Abdullah Anderson with one pressure, which was a hurry. Tackles, nobody super stood out, but we had five from Ray Wilborn, five from Isaiah McDuffie, five from Innes Gaines, five from Henry Black. Um, was it Gaines that missed the quarterback? I just, you want to talk about unforgivable. That, he got a 33 tackling grade. He actually graded out well outside of that, but that is, that's one of those where it's like, I don't know, dude. I like you. And you do some stuff, but that's, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can ever forget, forget that. Missed tackles, entirely too many. There were 10 for the team. Uh, there were, uh, looks like nine people, 10 missed tackles. So nobody had a ton of, outside of Anus Gaines with two. But Ray Wilborn, Isaiah McDuffie, Isaac Yadam, Jack Heflin, Chauncey Rivers, uh, Rogesterman Ferris, Kavianento, and Christian Uphoff all with missed tackles. As far as a percentage, um, Chauncey Rivers is... By far the worst, 100% missed tackle rate, uh, 50% for Jack Heflin, 50% for uh, Christian Uphoff, otherwise less than that. Stops, you had three from Ray Wilborn, three from Isaiah McDuffie, three from Innes Gaines, so that's pretty solid. 14 total for the team, zero forced fumbles. Uh, as far as coverage, Isaac Yadam, Yadam, whatever, was the most targeted, eight targets. Six of those were caught for 74 yards and a touchdown. Not a great day for him. He had a 43 coverage grade, 39 overall on defense. So it's been kind of just bad for him throughout. Uh, I don't know that any of our corners really have impressed all that much, in my opinion, but is what it is. Um, Next up would be Stefan Denmark, who was targeted six times. Only three of those were caught, though, for 20 yards uh, and one pass breakup, so not a bad day from him, despite being targeted quite a bit. Um, Shamar Jean Charles, again, another guy that I don't think has been overly impressive. Five targets, five receptions, 52 yards. Registerman um, Ferris, five targets, three receptions, 11 yards. Dejon Harris, four targets, two receptions for 13 yards. Kabion Ento, four targets, three receptions, 32 yards. Ray Wilborn, three targets, two receptions, only seven yards given up. Uh, Isaiah McDuffie, three targets, three receptions, 21 yards. Innes Gaines, three targets, three receptions, 13, uh, excuse me, yeah, 13 yards. Um, Christian Uphoff, three targets, two receptions, five yards. And then Henry Black, one target, one reception for six yards. Um, oh, by the way, Christian Uphoff gave up that other touchdown. So Uphoff and Yadam gave those up. Uh, no interceptions, and the one pass breakup belongs to Stephen Denmark, Stefan Denmark, whatever. 
Um, let's look at some grades specifically. Uh, we'll break it down by run defense, then tackling, then pass rush, then coverage, and then we'll look overall. Um, just guys that did a bad job against the run. Nobody really. I mean, there was only one guy less than a 50. That was Isaac Yadam, who was a corner, so you don't usually expect that much, but considering he was bad in every other category, that's not great. Uphoff, Ento, uh, Galea, and Slayton, TJ Slayton, which you'd hate to see. Technically, we're all below 60, uh, 59.8 for Galea and Slayton, but still, when you're TJ Slayton and your whole thing is eating up double teams and destroying the run, um, you don't want to be below a 60. That isn't fantastic. Um, guys that did do really well, 70 or above, Carlo Kemp, Dejon Harris, Jack Heflin, and Abdullah Anderson. So we've got, let's see, um, mostly defensive linemen and Dejon Harris, the linebacker. Tackling, a lot of guys really struggled here. Isaiah McDuffie had a 55, Ray Wilborn with a 40, Yadam Gaines and Uphoff in the 30s, Rogestimer Ferris, Ento, and Chauncey Rivers, in the 20s. Guys that did a really good job, Delante Scott, Dejan Harris, Stefan Denmark, Shamar Jean Charles in the 70s, Henry Black in the 80s. Pass rush, n- again, nobody really below a 50. Shamar Jean Charles was the lowest at a 50 overall. Guys that actually had some opportunities. The lowest, surprisingly, was Chauncey Rivers, who I thought had a good day, but even that was a 56 overall. Um, he had two pressures on 23 attempts, which I guess technically that is below... so that's not super fantastic, but I don't know. He seemed disruptive. Maybe it's just because I noticed it more. He did have one of the few sacks, so it seemed more noticeable. Um, Otherwise, high 50s, 60s in that range. Uh, Guys that graded out well, Willington Pavilion, two pressures on 20 attempts, 70 overall grade, so right at 10%. Um, Dijon Harris had two pressures on only four attempts, so we're talking 50%. Again, linebackers, you expect more, but 50% even for a linebacker is quite impressive. Uh, 74.7. And then Isaiah McDuffie had an 87.6 pass rush grade, two pressures on nine attempts, which is what, 20-ish percent to, uh, yeah, 22.2222 percent. Still pretty solid, but again, they, whatever he was doing, they really, really liked it. 87.6 overall pass rush grade in coverage. Uh, the only guys that were bad, Chauncey Rivers, Isaac Yadam, Rogesterman Ferris, uh, 40s, except for Rogesterman in the 30s, for 30.6, so low 30s. Um, guys that graded out well, we'll call 69 good. Innis Gaines, 69.1. Dijon Harris, 69.4. Isaiah McDuffie, 70.9. You love to see that from a linebacker. Ray Wilborn, 75.1. So the three highest graded coverage guys were linebackers. As far as overall grades, guys that were really bad, only two, Isaac Yadam and Rogesterman Ferris, 39.7 and 33.7. Otherwise, uh, we got some 50s, we got some 60s. The first guy's getting up into the good territory, Carlo Kemp, 69.4, Abdullah Anderson, 70.1, Jack Heflin, 70.8, Henry Black, 70.9, Innis Gain, 72.3, Willington Pavilion, 72.9, Ray Wilborn, again, we're getting into the three highest now, 75, Dijon Harris, 78, and Isaiah McDuffie, our highest graded linebacker, our highest graded defender at nearly an 80 overall. So again, the the trend of linebackers being our best defenders continues. I mean, I don't expect that to continue once the regular season starts when guys like Chris Barnes have to compete with the likes of Zadarius and Jair and those guys. But um, if they can just maintain 70 overall grades, that's fantastic. That's all we'd ever need from a linebacker considering what we have everywhere else. But I am excited. I'm, I'm beyond excited to see what they can contribute when, again, they have more help at the other positions. 
also just excited. I mean, look look at the top graded guys. Um, Isaiah McDuffie was a sixth round pick for the Green Bay Packers this year. He was the highest graded defender on offense. Royce Newman has consistently been one of the best players. He was a fourth round pick this year. So already our draft class, not including seventh round pick running back. I mean, let's look at our, we'll get to special teams, but let's look at it. There's varying degrees of success and and what we actually know. Um, Eric Stokes, we don't know yet what he's going to be able to contribute. He hasn't been playing very much. I do expect Kevin King to be getting the the lion's share, but the assumption is this guy is going to be our starting cornerback outside of Jair very, very soon. Second round pick, Josh Myers is already our starting center. Um, Amari Rogers, probably going to be more of a role player, gadgety kind of guy, but he's going to contribute day one. Royce Newman in the fourth round looks like he's going to be a starting guard right out of the gate. Uh, TJ Slayton, again, not the greatest day in the world uh, this past week, but he's been a solid contributor. Sounds like he's going to be playing quite a bit. Shamar Jean Charles is going to be kind of a backup slot guy. Haven't seen it so much yet. We'll see how it goes. But considering what you generally expect from this area, it's not even this good. It's usually like, I don't know, maybe practice squatty. Um, Cole Van Lannan, haven't seen very much. And then sixth round again, Isaiah McDuffie, Seems like he might actually have a shot at being a legitimate linebacker for us. And then Kylan Hill is a lock number three running back right now. And um, again, I'll I'll bring up the point that I don't know 100%. I would assume, but I don't know 100% that A.J. Dillon is going to be a better running back than Kylan Hill. That still remains to be seen. Anyways, let's wrap it up with what is usually in the regular season some of the more insignificant stuff. But considering we're in the preseason and special teams is how you make the team, this is one of the more... Uh, interesting things. There are 37 guys who are on special teams. This does not include returning or kicking or punting. Um, these are just the guys that uh, go tackle and block and whatnot. The only guy that had a bad day was Christian Uphoff. Otherwise, mostly 50s and 60s. Again, 37 guys. Um, almost every single one of them was pretty average. Shamar Jean Charles, fortunately fourth best with a 70 overall grade. Isaac Yadam, who I just don't think there's much here, um, but still third. Chauncey Rivers, which I think is incredibly important because there is kind of a, a tough uphill battle trying to be that next up after the three top guys. Um, I think he's been fantastic in training camp. I think he had a good day this past day and second highest graded guy on special teams. And then finally, Kabianento, who also is in a bit of a battle um, not a ton of super tough competition because it's, it's similar to edge rusher where you got your main guys, you got our top three, and then it's like, mm, eh, I don't really know. But, um, I think Ento has put himself in a pretty good position to be able to, uh, to lay claim to a, to a job. As far as return grades, um, we had basically one kick return that was fair caught by Reggie Bagleton. One, uh, or no, that was a punt return by Reggie Bagleton. One kickoff return that just went out of the end zone. And one punt return the entire game that was Amari Rodgers for five yards. So nothing really happened, which I guess is good because then nothing bad happened, but, you know, whatever. J.K. Scott somehow got a 60 overall grade on his 56-yard punt that uh, had five-second hang time. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what you got to do to get better than a 60 via PFF. I guess it's because it was only one punt. I don't know. But that was a freaking absolute hammer of a punt. I don't know if they're docking him because of net yardage, which again, punting, there's not a single punting statistic that makes any sense. Net yardage is not the punter's fault. Everything, so if you subtract 
how long the punt was and then subtract, you know, how long it was after they eventually got tackled. So take the total minus what they put as net. The difference between those two is entirely everybody else's fault. Now, again, it's possible that it's because it was a line drive or this or that, but in this case, it was not. It was five-second hang time. So, I don't know. And by the way, Mason Crosby also had a 60 overall grade. He kicked it 41 yards, um, 3.94 average hang time. It was a pretty terrible punt, but same grade. So, I, I, don't, I don't know what they're doing or how they come to this conclusion. He kicked the freaking ever-loving dreams and hopes out of that football, and he got a 60 overall grade. It was a great punt from J.K. Um, and then the one day that J.K. does well, we have Mason Crosby shank what was a kick inside of, of uh, inside of 30 yards, 20-some-odd yards. So just can't win, man. The, the, not, it's not like anything even really good happened, right? There was almost no returning. There was almost no punting. The one punt we had, or not including Mason Crosby, the one punt we had from J.K. was great. But then you got freaking Mason. You just couldn't... All you had to do was make a chip shot, and it was like, eh, it's a pretty good day for special teams. Only one thing really happened, and it was a good thing. But no, Mason, of all people, the one guy we can count on, botched it. But uh, that's it, man. That does it for the preseason. No more of this nonsense. We got cutdowns coming on Tuesday. So um, we'll be looking at all that kind of stuff. Some of these are probably going to be happening pretty rapid fire. There's some easier and more obvious cuts. And then um, we'll see how it goes. Obviously, we're going to see some people get declared certain things. They're going to be moved to IR or PUP or whatever the situation may be to kind of navigate some things to be able to keep some extra players at least short term. We'll see what happens with Jace. He does, I believe, have a one-game suspension, so that'll give somebody a job for a week, and then we can kind of figure out what to do with either that person or Jace or whatever. But um, that'll be something to keep an eye on, I suppose. And then we just got a week off with nothing to do, and then uh, football on the 12th, so... Anyways, I got to get going. You folks enjoy your Sunday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.